0: This morning, I'm not preaching in Hosea, hallelujah. Yeah, I had a couple people ask me, like, are we in Hosea? And like, no, we finished. Oh, good. Uh, That was kind of the response. It was great. Um, Now, this morning, we're going to be going over some fundamentals of um, the gospel, of what it means to be a Christian. And I'm excited because um, sometimes we can forget. Sometimes we can get so drawn into the minutia of being a Christian that we forget what it really means and it's sometimes nice to get back to basics so today we're talking about being with Christ or in Christ um and I just wanted to say too uh just to let you know this might be my last sermon here um we are moving to Prescott as you know and I will be starting my new job in December the very beginning of December so hopefully I will get to come before you again and preach God's good news um, but this is kind of a uh, it feels like a special moment to me so I appreciate you all I've, I've been honored to be a part of this body with you guys and I love you all thanks okay so this morning we're gonna get a little into the Greek and uh, I'm not going to pronounce the Greek as funny as that would sound um, I, I might but You can have a laugh at it. Um, But I wanted to share with you kind of an insight into how um, I study the word and how God shows me things. So recently, or fairly recently, um, Pastor Paul and I were studying Romans and we arrived at chapter 12. In verse one and two, they're quintessential to the Christian walk. Um, Everyone should memorize these two verses. Uh, The second verse, verse two of Romans 12 is this. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, Oops. what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's a powerful verse, amen? I have to plug in my computer, otherwise it'll die on me again. Um, so as we were digging into the Greek of these two, I was curious about these two words, transformed and conformed, and I noticed something that i had never noticed before. God gave me this amazing insight, and it led me down a path that has really culminated in today's message. And it all began with two Greek prefixes. That's a tale of two prefixes, meta and soon. Now the words conformed and transformed, they, they feel similar in English, don't they? I mean, they're both Changing my form to something else. Kind of a little different, but very similar. And I wanted to understand what the difference was. After all, Paul could have said, don't be conformed to this world, but be conformed to Christ. In fact, he said that earlier in Romans. In Romans 8.29, he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So he could have said that, but he didn't. He said something else. Why? Anytime I see that, I always wonder why. And you're kind of getting an insight into my weird brain here. Um, I won't go too far into what I discovered, but I um, I want to focus on the important thing that led to today. Suffice it to say, the word "conformed" b- begins with the prefix "soon." And transformed begins with the prefix meta, it's metamorphose. The key difference is this, meta means amidst. It denotes eternal work, excuse me, external work and eternal, external change. More specifically, it's by means of. In other words, um, transformed here is referring to something that God does in us. It's the action of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. We are transformed by the renewal of our mind in the Holy Spirit. We don't ourselves transform. It's not something we do. It's something God does. Soon, however, is very different. It's an intimate preposition. It means union, with, together, association, companionship. Now, in this context... It's between, it's participation between us and the world, companionship between us and the world, association and union between us and the world. Being conformed to the world is something we do and the world does with us. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Soon means being or acting together, sharing a common task, sharing a common destiny this being or acting to Gary carries the sense of supporting or helping one another taking the side of one another now in this passage that means I don't know about you but I don't really want to share in the fate of the world amen no I don't really want that but Paul uses a phrase he's the only person who uses this and he uses it 12 times in scripture soon Christo with Christ And that's what I want to explore today. What does it mean to have soon Christo, to be with Christ? John Murray has a great quote that I will read to you. It says, union with Christ is really the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation, not only in its application, but also in its once for all accomplishment in the finished work of Jesus. So where am I going with all of this? Well, Paul uses "soon Christo to explain what the purpose and call of the gospel is in our lives. We're going to explore a few statements that help develop this idea of with Christ. Um, and so for most of you, this will be a review of foundational Christian doctrine. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit enjoins each of us today. As we look closer at what kind of relationship we have with our Savior Jesus Christ. So the first one, you ready for me to mangle some Greek? Sunagiro raised with Christ. Sunagiro. Leonard Ravenhill says, Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people live. Hallelujah. If we look at Colossians two twelve, Paul uses this word sunagiro. He says, "Having been buried with him in in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, sunagiro through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead." And if we look at Colossians three one through two, if then brothers and sisters, you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are of Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things of this earth. What a statement. If you have been raised with Christ, notice he's not, he doesn't say if you will be raised with Christ right? I checked the Greek tenses. He doesn't say that. He says, if you have been raised with Christ. Have I been raised with Christ? He suffered a disfiguring punishment and death, and 48 hours later was raised into a perfected, beautifully unrecognizable body. Now, I looked at my face closely this morning, and all I could see were wrinkles that had grown a tad longer, some sunspots that had grown a tad bigger, and a few more hairs in my beard had renounced their brown heritage and joined the white faction. I could not see in my complexion any sign of a new, perfected, beautiful body. But of course, that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Amen? He's referring to something much deeper, something that can't be seen in a mere mirror. He's talking about our souls. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us, past tense, alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised and got and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus now, this is incredible we through faith in Jesus rise with him in the tomb the old man or woman has died the new man now walks in his shoes not only are we raised with Christ let's go back to what this is saying We are presently seated with him in the heavenly places. Now, that doesn't make any sense at all. I'm pretty sure I'm not in heaven. I read the news today. Um, Couldn't be. What Paul is saying is that the events of being glorified, of being raised up and seated with Christ are absolute certain, certainties to the believer. Why? Because from the standpoint of God's eternal decree, they have already happened past tense. Now, perhaps you, like me, sometimes don't feel as if you've been raised to a new life. Can I get a hands up for that? Yeah. Let alone a bona fide citizen of heaven. Does anyone feel like a citizen of heaven? One person. All right. Good for you. Perhaps you do not feel as though you are saved. The trouble is feelings are fickle friends. One dropped ice cream cone can ruin your day. Although nothing else in the whole world has changed, the sun feels a little bit dimmer. Do you know what I'm talking about? I like how Billy Graham put it. I'm going to quote him. A lot of people believe they are saved only if they have some powerful emotion or overwhelming feeling. However, every Christian has times when feelings are not strong, no matter what our experiences have been in the past. But it is not our feelings that save us. It is Christ. How can we know we are really saved? Because God's word tells us, and God cannot lie. If you have put your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, God has made you a member of his family. God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, and uh, that he hath. King James is hard. He that hath the Son hath life. These things I have written unto you, that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know and have eternal life. As someone once said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. The question really is not whether I feel like I'm saved, but do I believe? Amen? Does my hope rest in the necessity and the work of Christ? If so, then I have been raised with him. Hallelujah. You can say that too. Do you believe in the necessity and work of Christ? Then you have been raised with him into newness of life. You are a new living creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, as amazing as that promise is, the fact that we are raised together with Christ means that there first must be a death. Amen? So we're going to look at the next aspect of being with Christ. Sunapathnesko died with Christ. Watchman Nee said, The blood deals with what we have done. Whereas the cross deals with what we are the blood disposes of our sins while the cross strikes at the root of our capacity to sin. In Colossians 3 verse 3 it says for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How do we die with Christ. Now before you go out and do something drastic. Remember, to be raised with Christ is is somewhat metaphorical. It's not something you have necessarily tangibly experienced now. It's something, it's an eternal truth that is being realized in your life. So death is kind of the same. Amen? I'm not suggesting that we go literally crucify each other so that we can share in the death of Christ. just want to make that abundantly clear. Um... If our past resurrection, I'm not talking about the final resurrection, but our past resurrection that Paul was referring to, is reality in spite of our struggle to discern it, so too is our crucifixion. Um, In Reverend James Snyder's introduction to A.W. Tozer's The Crucified Life, he states, Christ did not die on a cross just to save people from hell. He died on the cross so that all could become one with Christ. Now this is the crux of the matter and it's so easily overlooked. Yes, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, each and every one of us and everyone who's not in this room, everyone you know, everyone you've ever known. He paid the penalty on the cross for their sins so that we could be washed clean of the blood guilt of sin. But he did something far more amazing than that. He opened the door to unity with God we cannot be washed clean of the blood guilt until we are in Christ. He made a way and sent an open invitation to all mankind to enter into a personal relationship with him and receive that amazing grace. Of course, to enter through the narrow gate, each of us must die to sin. From Tozer's crucified life, Some people have been misinformed about the Christian life and living the crucified life. For some reason, they think that it is an easy path. They believe that God will take away all their problems and difficulties and that they will be able to live their lives without any kind of distraction or disturbance. Anyone feel that way? Good. As everyone who has traveled this journey knows, such is not the case. If your journey is not cluttered with difficulties and hardships and burdens, You might just be on the wrong path. To be hidden with Christ, going back to uh, Colossians 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. To be hidden in Christ refers to the safety that is only found in him. Remember, the the days of God's wrath approach. Those of you who hung with me through Hosea know what kind of wrath God's wrath is. Revelation chapter 6 describes the devastation as being so unimaginable that the people of that of the time of the world call out to the mountains and the rocks. They say, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, hide us from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Clothed in our shame, crowned with our thorns and exposed to the judgment of God that we deserve, Jesus is our hiding place. Amen? Outside of Christ, there is no safe place to hide. But being found in Christ, there is peace and safety. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. There's only one hiding place, and it's hiding in Christ through his death. Are you clinging to the rock of ages? Is he your hiding place? The next um, phrase that Paul uses to help us understand in Christ is sum futos, united with Christ. And I have a quote from John Calvin on this one. First, we must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separate from him, All that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. Therefore, to share with us what he has received from the Father, he had to become ours and dwell within us. Um, Paul uses this word in Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him, sum futos, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him, sum futos, in a resurrection like his. Amen? And going back to Colossians 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. If you, brothers and sisters, have been raised and therefore died with Christ, then your fate is joined to his permanently. Think about that for a second. Your fate is joined to Jesus's permanently. Indeed, that's what putting your faith in Christ means. It is declaring to the world and to God, I go where he goes. If to death, then I bear my cross to death. If to life eternal, then I to eternal glory with my Father in heaven. It is not I who lives, but Christ who lives alone within me. Amen? Amen. Recall, soon means being or acting together, sharing a common destiny or task. This being or acting together carries the sense of support and helping one another, taking each other's side. When we abide in Christ Jesus he abides in us and his attributes and his righteousness and his glory are made manifest in our lives has anyone experienced that yes just a little just wait until the fullness of this truth unfolds hallelujah first john 3 verses 2 through 3 says beloved we are god's children now but what we will be has not appeared yet. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We will be like Christ in every way. Hallelujah. That's incredible. It's, it's too much. It's too much. And yet, it's true. Now, there are parts of that likeness of Christ that are uncomfortable to ourselves, right? It's not like we got Superman powers and there's no, there's no problems because part of Christ's life was self-sacrificing and loving. And that means that part of us has to die. If we walk the path of Christ, it invariably leads where? To the cross. The next phrase to help us understand being with Christ is "sustarou," crucified with Christ. Hans Ernst von Balthasar, I love that name. It is to the cross that the Christian is challenged to follow his master. No path of redemption can make a detour around it. Romans 6, 6, Paul says, we know that our old self was Sustaru, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now you might be wondering, well, we just talked about dying with Christ. Why are we bringing up crucified with Christ? Isn't that like the same thing? Not quite, because death is what happens at the end of a crucifixion, right? But what about all that other stuff? Crucifixion isn't just death. That's what happens inevitably. But crucifixion is about a lot more than that. It's about killing, right? It's suffering. It's public shame, And from the the respect of the person who voluntarily did it for us, it is love. Okay, so we have to crucify ourselves with Christ or be crucified with Christ. We have died to sin with Christ, but the work of crucifixion must be realized in our lives. Oh, that we would desire that only Christ need to do the dying, but of course... He died for the sins of all mankind, and yet so many will not be unified with him in glory. Why? Uh, Tozier says, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne, and the Christian is on the throne until he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, then he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. Now, brothers, sisters, our blood guilt has been paid, but that payment can only be received by those in Christ. Anything less than standing with him is what? It's, it's rebellion. There's no middle ground here. You're in Christ or you're not. First John 3 Four through six says everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And I I, I want to clarify for those who might be panicking right now. The word here sinning is an active uh, intentional act it doesn't mean uh, if you make a mistake every day then well I didn't know Christ I've never seen him I've never known him that's not what he's saying here he's saying my habit is sin this is what I do with my life this is my purpose this is why I can't be a universalist no matter how attractive the sentiment that God will save all I wish that were true I really do there remains a door to be entered through, amen? And that door has a name, Jesus Christ. All sins were laid upon him, but not all will be found hidden in him when God's wrath is poured out. Are you in Christ? So we've talked about the sin part of crucifixion of self, but the other part that I think is almost more challenging is that to accept our cross and be crucified on it means that we pour out ourselves for others. That's what Christ did, right? We were talking this morning about why we boast in the cross. Why do we boast in the cross? Because it symbolizes how much God loves us. If we are to crucify ourselves, that means that we must take on the love of Christ to everyone else. That's hard, you know, I can work with my personal issues. I'd rather just talk about crucifixion as like, well, my pride, I can crucify my pride. And that's, that's good, and that's true, and that's beautiful, but crucifixion isn't something to be done therapeutically for yourself. Crucifixion ends in death, and it's to be done for everyone else, not you, right? Hallelujah, that he gave us such an amazing example. And before I go on, it's not in my sermon, but I should have put it in here. What this also tells us is that there is nothing that we will face in this life that Christ will not face with us. There's nothing. For me, a death of a child, Christ faced that with me. Sorrow pain, temptation, failing again and again and again with a stronghold of sin, Christ is there with you. Remember that with Christ, that's a two-road street. You share in destiny and purpose with each other. Christ is sharing in your destiny too. Cling to him. He took a more serious and painful death than I can imagine for me, I'm pretty sure he can help me through anything in this life. And he can help you too. There's no doubt or fear or worry that is too big that Jesus says, oh, I didn't experience that. I don't know how to deal with that as a human. He did it all. And the last word to help us understand with Christ is Summorphizo remember we're going back to that other one. It was metamorphizo metamorphosis. This is sumorphosis. What's the difference? It's sharing in the form with Christ uh, C.S. Lewis says putting on Christ is not one among many jobs a Christian has to do It is not a special sort of exercise for the top class putting on Christ is the whole of Christianity Christianity offers nothing else at all. If you're not interested in putting on Christ, Christianity isn't the right place for you because that's it, that's all there is. Colossians 3.10 says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so here we come to the summation. All that we have looked at today can, cannot be done by willpower or effort It can only be accomplished through the willing cooperation of each and every one of us with the power and calling of Christ. He is our new self, ready and willing to live within and through us, to share his destiny with us and to share our destiny with himself. But how are we to allow Christ to reign more and more in our lives? Because I don't know about you, but... This is a process, putting on the new self. Amen? Amen. The only way is through the renewal of the mind with communion, excuse me, by communion with God. When we pray and the Spirit is with us, when we read the Scriptures and the Spirit is with us, when we love our neighbors and a Spirit is with us, We manifest the presence of the living Christ in our lives. We are putting on the new self then and there, even as our old self diminishes. So to go all the way back to Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is Your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hallelujah. Do you feel like you have a better understanding of what it means to be with Christ? Do you feel like you have a better understanding of what the the goal of the cross was? It's not merely just to pay for the penalty of sins. It's to invite us into a personal relationship the sharing of a fate with our savior just before the end of jesus ministry he offered up what is called the high priestly prayer it is a beautiful expression of what we have been studying today it's a plea to god the father to do what paul is describing as fact in these letters we've been reading we are united with christ in his death in his crucifixion in his resurrection and in his glory and i want to read a part of that priestly prayer john 17 verses 17 through 24 praying for his disciples sanctify them in the truth your word is truth As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but for all those who believe in me through their word, that's everyone in this room, that they may all be one, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Brothers and sisters, this is Jesus, Jesus praying for you. Is that cool? That's cool. Jesus prayed for you by this prayer Christ bound the elect those who cling to Christ forever to his fate and what a glorious fate it is yes to walk with Christ means crucifixion and to walk crucifixion means death but it means that an old self dies so that we can become completed in him it means being raised to new heights as sons and daughters of the living god never forget that jesus did not merely die for the sins of the world on the cross he died so that we might become sons and daughters after his own image blameless in his sight excuse me blameless in sight of the judge and glorified forever with the God man that conquered Satan forever. The cross is an invitation to life everlasting, filled with nothing but love. Have you accepted that invitation? Father God, Lord, we accept it anew right here and now. The work you did astounds us the very idea that you have become our our brother that you have become the bestower of everything that God has given you to us it is beyond understanding Lord but this morning father I pray that you would help impress upon us the work you did on the cross that you would impress upon us that we aren't just called to a religion, we are called to a relationship where you become more and more magnified in our lives and we become more and more diminished as we are filled with you. Lord God, we are in awe. Father, I pray if there's things that we need to set aside and crucify, Lord, that you would help us And Lord, that you would help us to see that crucifixion isn't something we do for ourselves. It's not therapy. God, it is something uh, that we emulate from you. For God so loved the world that he sent you to be crucified on our behalf so that we could be unified with you. Lord, help us to live that life and walk that walk. We thank you. For the truths you've said have already been done that we await eagerly being raised with you, being glorified together in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and we pray in your mighty and precious name. Amen.